listening to NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday. Happy Friday out there. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, air is a little clearer here today, which is definitely good news, but you got to hope it's not doing too much in terms of the wildfire and sparking some of that up, uh, flaring it up more than it already has. But, uh, hey, I like the fact that I can breathe a little easier when walking around outside today, so I'll take what I can get. Now, as we talk about the wildfire situation, the question remains, why has the government not declared a state of emergency? We know here in the interior... We're dealing with hundreds of fires in the Kamloops Fire Center. 108 active fires burning right now. Resources are stretched thin. Seems like a good time to make that declaration. But here we are continuing to wait. For more on this, please welcome back to the show now. Kamloops North MLA, BC Liberal House Leader, Peter Millibar. Peter, how you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. And I echo uh, the... The gratitude for clear skies, but hope that that's not uh, coming at the expense of the, the fires firing up because the wind pushed it out of here and it's fanning fires elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's all we can do is hope right now, and we'll continue to monitor the situation. Now, Peter, you got to wonder, we're hearing so many people add their voice to this call. There's a petition out there right now. I think it has more than 5,000 signatures last I checked, wanting the government to declare a state of emergency for wildfires, and yet here we are. Days and days later after these calls started to come out and they're just refusing to make that call. I mean, can you understand or wrap your head around why why it's taking so long? Why the hesitancy to move ahead with this step? No, I, I can't understand it. And I think that's why you're hearing the frustration and a great many people. And for the premier to say this is a partisan thing is completely offside. Um, there's all political stripes all across uh, the interior calling for this. There's former NDP candidates calling for it. Their supporters are calling for it. Uh, there's Green Party candidate that ran against me is calling for it as well. This is not partisan. The reality is people in this part of the province want to see a state of emergency declared. That petition is a grassroots petition. Uh, the, the organizer got a hold of me late yesterday afternoon to see if I would forward it on once they felt they had enough signatures. It's now at 10,000. Oh. So it is. it has gone from about 4,000 earlier today to 10,000 in about three, four hours today. Uh, people are getting more and more nervous, and, and frankly, it shouldn't surprise the Premier that we're, we don't have a lot of faith uh, in his handling of these things. We just got a report that 808 people died in the heat wave while he was admittedly giddy and distracted by declaring uh, new pandemic measures introduced instead of focusing on the heat wave we all knew was coming. So uh, perhaps he could understand why there's a little less faith in his handling of these things and, and can actually start taking action on it. Uh, I'll play a quick clip here, just a short uh, uh, statement that he made at a newser this morning when asked about declaring a state of emergency. And this is just a little snippet of what he had to say. There is not one advantage at all from calling a state of emergency except to bring more people together. I like how he says there's not one advantage and then lists one advantage. I mean, I'm just confused. If, if there is no you know, benefit to calling a state of emergency, why do we even have that policy in place? So how do you, how do you respond to that? Well, exactly. Both him and the Solicitor General are, are trying to have it both ways. They say nothing would change at all with a state of emergency. And the very next sentence they say, but we'll call one uh, if we're asked for one. Well, why would you even need to? Uh, why did we need one for 16 months with COVID? There's still health orders in place right now. Why did we need a, a continual extension of, of states of emergency for COVID if there's no difference to them? And for the, the Solicitor General to say that I'm completely wrong about access to land, 
perhaps in the letter of the law, but without a state of emergency in effect, uh, there are landowners that are refusing to let work be done uh, to cutting guards on their private property, and the fire service is trying to work with them. Oh, lost you there, Peter. I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe you just moved into a little corner where we lost you. Got you. Sorry. Got you back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so under state of emergency, access to land does get faster and easier, and and that is critical when you're talking about large tracts of land, an area to put in strategic guards. Um, there, there is definitely benefits to having a state of emergency. There's more benefit than not, uh, but it, it is interesting that at the same time the premier doesn't want to declare this. He's furiously running around the province trying to make good news announcements uh, that have nothing to do with fire season. Uh, you know, announcing at Richmond Hospital that, that basically they announced that they're not going to put a shovel in the ground for 18 months. That was his priority a couple of days ago instead of talking about the fires and trying to figure out how to get more support to us in the interior. I hate to even ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think we would see a different sense of urgency if we had NDP MLAs in this riding? That, that you know, has come up a lot, and that is a pretty sad uh, statement on how people view uh, this NDP government about how vindictive they can be. Um, governments should not be, once the election's over, picking and choosing what they're going to do across this province based on the color of, of a political party on an electoral map. Uh, if that is happening, that is completely reprehensible, um, but it just shows you the deep-seated distrust uh, there is for the Premier right now in this area of the province, uh, given uh, the lack of response we have seen from him. I mean, he did a, a quick helicopter tour, uh, did a five-minute media event, and, and took off again. Uh, and now he has spent the rest of his time in Vancouver and Victoria enjoying clear skies like we have today, thinking that's how the rest of the province is announcing project after project uh, that aren't really that time-sensitive, frankly. They're all things they've announced in their election campaign or in the budget, uh, and they're running around re-announcing those instead of worrying about focusing on uh, the critical here and now of the fires. And that's what we're seeing happening uh, with the report around the heat-related deaths, uh, those 808, and the Premier's even acknowledged that he was completely distracted and, to use his words, giddy, about going to an announcement and going to phase three of the COVID uh, response instead of worrying about a massive heat wave that we knew was going to sweep this province like we've never seen before. When talking about that heat dome, and, and yeah, you mentioned the, the more than 800 people that have now said to have died as a result of that extreme heat that we went through a couple of weeks ago. We know we lost the entire town of Lytton as a result of that. Um, there, there has been talk about this becoming a more regular thing as a result of climate change. We know, um, we're, well, obviously the fire seasons are getting worse and worse here. They're happening more frequently. Uh, you know, you can look to uh, flooding that's happening in Europe right now and all these kinds of things. How do you make sure that knowing that these are going to become more frequent events, we're going to see them on a more regular basis, you know, what do you do with that once you guys do get back into the legislative session in the fall? Uh, you know, how do you start to, to make sure that that doesn't get forgotten? Because I know a lot of times it feels like, you know, we, we dealt with a heat wave here in, in the early part of July. And then going into the legislative session, you know, in, in September, October, you don't always remember necessarily what happened in July. So what do you have to do to make sure that this is something that has serious conversations in the House moving or in the legislature moving forward? Because we can't forget and we got to learn. Well, one, one thing I can be sure of is uh, in my current role as House Leader, one of my duties is to, to uh, come up with themes and topics for a question period. So I, I, you can be rest assured we are not going to let this go. Um, there was a report uh, commissioned by this government 
It was released in 2019. Uh, they made much ado about it, about all about climate adaptation and, and things we need to do to be, get prepared for, for the changing climate and, and heat. Uh, there was very clear recommendations and warnings what would happen around uh, a heat event, which was actually based on something much uh, much more minimal than what we actually saw happen. There was no action taken between between 2019 and this uh, heat event. Uh, and so, you know, again, it goes back to how much confidence should we have in the Premier when he says, oh, don't worry about it, things, and the fires, uh, you know, I, I got it under control if and when I need to do more action, uh, when he very clearly didn't do that with the heat wave. Uh, he's very clearly ignoring tens of thousands of people that are saying, uh, we want a state of emergency declared now. Uh, they don't believe him that it won't uh, help things. Uh, they don't believe him at all. And, and frankly, when locals are going into these meetings with firefighters, uh, the firefighting service, I want to make very clear, is doing an incredible job right now. Uh, but they're getting tired. And they are admitting, yesterday they admitted, resources are stretched. They said that in a public meeting to all the media. Uh, but they've been saying that for about the last four or five days to ranchers and other stakeholders in private meetings uh, as they're talking about how to resource certain fires. Um, and that's what we've been saying all along. We, we're we not criticizing the way people are uh, actioning with the equipment they have. We're saying, and they're even saying, they're stretched too thin right now. And we still have about two and a half months to go in a fire season that by their own admission is at least four to five uh, weeks ahead of 2017 and is about two months ahead of where we were in 2003. Um, Not exactly years you want to be well ahead of the pace on uh, this early in the year. Yeah, it's going to be a long summer, I think, when it comes to this. Um, Just to switch gears here a little bit while I have you, Peter, I should probably bring it up just because we got this counter that's going on right now on our NL Noon report. Uh, I can't remember what the number's at, 15, 16, 17 days now where we haven't heard from the Premier in regards to a new cancer centre here in Kamloops. Um, You know, there was uh, the the promise that was made during the election campaign that we'd see a cancer centre here within that four-year mandate. Don't think that's going to be happening, um, but uh, just, you know, where where are you when when we were talking about this counter and it makes me laugh that it's happening right now honestly but um you know we we still haven't heard from him what do you make of that well uh, it's very disappointing it was uh, i was asking him questions and budget estimates face to face one-on-one uh, about the cancer center i pointed out that there's absolutely no way despite what he said in february uh that it was at treasury board which would mean it was well advanced uh he finally acknowledged that was the case then tried to tap dance around it um, then I finally got him to acknowledge that he misspoke uh, at best uh, five, six months ago when he said that in February. Uh, that is when he made the commitment that if he has misspoke, which he has, he would come on Radio NL and, and rectify uh, that and, and retract everything. Now he's too afraid to come on Radio NL and retract it. Uh, he has more than enough time to run around and make other announcements across this province. Um, he's more than welcome to come on NL and actually live up to his own word uh, that he told me, looking in my eyes, uh, you know, 20, 10, 15 feet away, that he would come on air and, and clear the air in Kamloops about what's going on with the cancer center. Instead, it's still a runaround. And so for him to be confused as to why people in this part of, of the province uh, have zero trust in him and his government right now, I, I think is completely understandable. It is not partisanship. These are all promises and commitments that he made. He made the commitment in the election. He made the commitment in estimates that he'd come back on air and set the record straight. Um, This isn't partisan. This is him literally not following through on his own words. We're just looking for 10 minutes. I'm hoping we get it sooner than later. Peter, thanks so much for the time. Always appreciate you joining me. Uh, Have a great weekend, and we'll, we'll be in touch, I'm sure.
You bet, and stay safe out there, everyone. Absolutely. There is Peter Millibar, Kamloops North MLA, BC Liberal House Leader, speaking on what's going on right now in terms of a state of emergency. Has not been called to this point, despite the fact that more and more people are asking for the NDP government to go ahead and make that declaration.